Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranica, TV voice of the Memphis Grizzlies and your host for the program. This is episode 43, today being brought to you by DraftKings. Round two is no joke. This is where we separate the pretenders from the contenders. Get some skin in the game with DraftKings. They're the leader in one-day fantasy sports, and they're offering free-to-play pools every day of the basketball playoffs, offering players a free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes each day. And the best part is that it is free to play. DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to Pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's basketball games and then track your results throughout the evening. Questions will range from which team will hit the most threes to which team will score first. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So, Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code TBPN when you sign up to get your free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code TBPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. Well, the Memphis Grizzlies season is now complete. Losing on... Wednesday night to the Utah Jazz, and the Jazz advanced to the second round of the NBA playoffs in five games, eliminating the Grizzlies on Wednesday night. So what do we have on tap here in episode 43 of the Grizz Weekly Grind? Well, of course, we will talk about that was the week that was, i.e. game five in Salt Lake City. Got some PD's points to put a bow on this most unusual yet successful NBA season for the Memphis Grizzlies. And then we'll have some uh, post-game sound from game number five. A little bit later on, uh, the Grizzlies probably in the next couple of days will have their final uh, media availability. We'll get some sound from that, and we'll share that with you in a future episode of the Grizz Weekly Grind. Uh, let's just get right to that was the week that was and uh, recap game five. Got to give the Utah Jazz a tremendous amount of credit. They came out, and they were bound and determined to end this thing in five games. They did not want to come back to Memphis, did, want, did not want to face a Memphis crowd that would be loud. Uh, and Utah just they came out swinging. I, I mean, nine threes in the first quarter. They set a franchise record for points in the first quarter with 47 and uh, got out to a 47-27 lead after one quarter. Donovan Mitchell was simply unguardable, unstoppable. 14 first quarter points. Boyan Bogdanovich, three for three from three, also had three assists in the quarter. Grizzlies turned it over four times, leading to eight Utah points. Utah turned it over just once. It was a 21-point lead at one point in the first quarter. Uh, and after that, it was just a matter of the Grizzlies trying to to cut into that deficit. They weren't terribly successful in the second quarter. Uh, Jazz got another 12 points from Donovan Mitchell in the second quarter. He had 26 at the halftime break, and Utah a 75-51 lead over the Grizzlies. Their lead uh, of 24 at the break was their largest to that point in time. Grizzlies had three starters in double figures. Valanchunas had 12 at the break. Morant and Brooks with 14 apiece, but the Grizzlies only five points off their bench. Jazz hit 12 threes in the first half. Grizzlies did not get to the free throw line in the first half, and Utah 
was plus 13 on the glass. Dominant first half performance from the Utah Jazz. Things would not change a whole lot in the third quarter. Jazz put up 31 in the third, and they expand their lead to 30 points heading into the final quarter. Jordan Clarkson put up 11 of his 17 through three quarters uh, in that third quarter. Again, the Grizzlies, Valanchunas, Brooks, and Morant were fantastic. Uh, As Valanchunas put up six, Brooks eight, Morant seven in the third period, but the Grizzlies... Uh, shooting 44%, and the Jazz clicking away at 56%, and 15 made threes. They continued their assault. Uh, Grizzlies would um, make some inroads uh, on the scoreboard. Uh, They put up a 34-point fourth quarter. Uh, But again, the Utah Jazz, uh, Mike Conley did not play at all in the second half. They were resting his hamstring, which has bothered him through a good portion of this year and, in fact, in previous years as well. Big fourth quarter from Jaron Jackson Jr. Had 11 of his 15 for the game in the period. Uh, and Jaron starting to show some better aggression uh, and just started to get his feet under him really here in the playoffs after the first couple of games, maybe a little tentative. Uh, he's He's been up and down, which is something you would expect after missing as many games as he had missed. Final numbers look like this. Jazz win at 126 to 110 to eliminate the Grizzlies in five games. They get a game high 30 points and 10 assists from Donovan Mitchell. So back-to-back 30-point games for Donovan Mitchell in this series. John Morant, his second consecutive double-double, 27 points and 11 assists for the Grizzlies. Jordan Clarkson, sixth man of the year, didn't shoot real well from three, just three of 12, but he was six of eight inside the arc. And he's a guy who has a very reliable floater. I mean, he is in the top 10 uh, in floaters made this year. And uh, he used that weapon to devastating effect. He had 24 for the game. So Jazz win it in five. Grizzlies won, of course, game one in Salt Lake City. And then after that, the Jazz pretty much handled business the rest of the way. And the Utah Jazz, uh, you know, outscoring the Grizzlies in in categories that, uh, or at least being competitive, not giving the Grizzlies a huge advantage. Grizzlies were actually minus eight points in the paint, which is highly unusual. This is not a big paint scoring team in the Utah Jazz. Uh, Second chance points, Grizzlies were plus two. They were plus one in fast break points. Grizzlies did not get a, a major advantage there. And really one of the primary offensive weapons for the Grizzlies all season long has been points off turnovers. They were minus six. Uh, Grizzlies turned it over 14 times, leading to 24 Utah Jazz points. So the Jazz win the series in five games. They wanted to get this done and over with because they know that that Clipper uh Dallas series is probably going to go seven. It it will definitely go six. We know that. Dallas later on on Wednesday night with a win in Los Angeles. Road team has won all five games of the series so far, and uh, Dallas is going to come back home. They will try to take out the Los Angeles Clippers and set up a series with the Utah Jazz. But the Jazz get their work done in five games, so they'll get a little bit of extra rest and hope that that Dallas Clippers series goes the full seven. And that does it for That Was the Week That Was. So, all right, season's in the books. Let's get to some final end-of-the-season Petey's points. Uh, Number one, I'm going to say that this was an unqualified success of a season for the Memphis Grizzlies. When you look at the preseason projections which had the Grizzlies winning maybe 30 games, maybe 32 games. Nobody, but nobody that I saw in my research had pegged the Grizzlies to be a 500 or better team. And, of course, the Grizzlies 
end up with 38 wins, 38 and 34 on the season. Grizzlies, I think it was website 538, said Memphis had a 25% chance of making the playoffs, and they do end up making the playoffs. That's why it's an unqualified success. Nobody thought the Grizzlies were going to make the playoffs. I think most of us who follow the team closely figured that this would be a team that would be in the mix for the play-in tournament. Whether or not they would get through the play-in tournament, of course, was another issue because you knew the Golden State would be much improved over last year. You assumed that New Orleans would be much improved over last year, which turned out not to be the case, but that's another story for another time. If the Grizzlies don't win that game at Golden State, then maybe this is not an unqualified success. You can say, well, it's a successful season. You know, they were above 500. They were in the playing tournament and they won the playing game against San Antonio, but they just, you know, you, you go to San Francisco and trying to beat Golden State in Golden State, that's almost impossible to do, et cetera, et cetera. And you can say it was a successful season with the caveat that last year, the Grizzlies finished ninth, were in the playing tournament, didn't win the one play-in game, and so they were not in the playoffs. If they lose the game in Golden State, it's basically the same thing. Uh, they end up as, as as a nine seed and don't get into the playoffs. So you can say that they took a step forward, took a step forward in a couple of areas. Number one, a winning record on the road, uh, a winning record overall, and then they get into the playoffs. And when you consider that the Grizzlies didn't have Jaron Jackson Jr. for but maybe a dozen games this season, and knowing that the lineups were were being shuffled a little bit, waiting on Justice Winslow to get ready, and then discovering that he wasn't bringing to the table what you thought he might bring. I, I think this was this was an unqualified success. I, I don't think there is any question about that, given where people thought the Grizzlies would be at the start of the season. When you look at the continued development of players, when you look at how John Morant has continued his ascendancy, when you look at how well Dylan Brooks played, uh, how well he came on at the end of the year, Valanchunas, fantastic, all year long. These are the things that you really look to. And when you consider that this group was parked for a half dozen games in the first half of the season and had to play a ridiculous schedule of 40 games in 68 days to make up the postponements from the first half of the season, you really have to tip your cap to the entire organization for, for pulling this thing off because it, it was it was not easy. Uh, San Antonio found that out. They also had to play 40 and 68, uh, and they came up short in the playing game at Memphis. So Petey's point number one, unqualified success. Don't argue with me on that. It, it is an unqualified success. I know the Grizzlies lost in five to Utah, but um, – by the way, Utah, best team in the NBA by just about any metric during the regular season. Petey's point number two, we saw growth. I know sometimes people uh, you know, speak of Taylor Jenkins' phrase, trending in the right direction in, in almost kind of an ironic or sardonic tone. fact of the matter is they are trending in the right direction. One thing that they did much better this year than they did last year is they responded to adversity. This was a team that was sub-500 in games following losses last year this year they are uh, they were five better than 500 in in those games the other thing too is that the Grizzlies were better in clutch games you know last year in Orlando 
They were 0-5 in clutch games. And, of course, clutch games being defined as a margin within five points in the final five minutes of the game. If the Grizzlies had played well in the clutch last year, they, they would have been in the playoffs. Uh, this year they were 19-19 and in clutch situations in the regular season. And a lot of those games were, were down the stretch. And, and they were able to be better in the clutch. So I, I see that there was growth there in terms of their uh, response to adversity. Also, number two in there is the fact that this culture is taking root. And that is all about John Morant buying into the culture. That is all about the synergy between John Morant and Taylor Jenkins, the closeness of their relationship, the openness of their relationship to try to figure out how to, how to get this thing to work. Because let's be honest, John Morant is the guy for this franchise. It's not Jaron Jackson Jr. It's not Dylan Brooks. It's not Jonas Valanciunas. It is John Morant. And so John Morant and Taylor Jenkins are pretty much joined at the hip, and they have an excellent relationship, and I think that bodes well for this Grizzlies team. And Morant, even though he's only 21 years of age, is showing some leadership chops, and, and he has taken responsibility when he has not played well, uh, and he really elevated his game in the play-in tournament and in the postseason as well. That brings me to Petey's point number three, and, th- and that's about Taylor Jenkins, You know his, his consistency of message. If you are a coach, I firmly believe that you have to be consistent in your messaging with your team. If you walk in on Monday and you tell them one thing, and then on Wednesday you're telling them something else that may or may not relate to what you told them on Monday, pretty soon the players are going to like, what are we doing here? Success in any organization, whether it is a business or a, a basketball team, or a football team, or, or any athletic endeavor. There has to be a consistency of message, and you have to understand what your identity is. And this Grizzlies team has created an identity. It is an identity that is based on being defensively very tough, an identity that is based on the mindset of let's get to the next play, let's not worry about what just happened, let's get on to the next play. And it's also based on playing quickly with pace, being athletic, being dynamic. And this is the type of identity that the Grizzlies have. This is the identity that they want to play to. And it is the identity and it is the consistency of message that Taylor Jenkins has brought to this team. And I think that is a huge, huge thing for the Grizzlies franchise. I know sometimes Taylor's interviews might might seem repetitive, but... That's what he's saying in the locker room. He is keeping the messaging consistent. If you are a player, and Brevinite will tell you this, if you are a player, you want some consistency. You want to know what's going on. You want to know that when we walk into the gym, here's how we're going to play. Here's how we're going to approach this game. And I think that that is one of the biggest strengths of Taylor Jenkins. He has taken a, a very straightforward message, and he has been consistent with it all year long. Uh Number four, as far as the playoffs are concerned, look, Utah is the best team in the NBA. When you look at regular season record, they were the only team that was top five in both offensive and defensive efficiency. So they had the the top net rating. They had the best point differential in the NBA. Uh, You know, set a new NBA record averaging 16.73s made per game. Uh, Outstanding defensively. They were very healthy throughout the year. I know Donovan Mitchell missed uh, games late with with the ankle and Mike Conley's hamstring. But other than that, 
This is a Utah team that only started eight different lineups. And when you think about this year and all that it entailed, the fact that they only started eight different lineups is remarkable. Grizzlies went in, they stole game one. They were competitive in two, three, and four. And game five, it was simply a matter of Utah saying, okay, we are not going back to Memphis. We do not want to get on a plane anytime soon. And so you look at the Utah Jazz in a postseason where there is no prohibitive favorite. And you can look at the Utah Jazz and the Jazz can look at themselves in the mirror and say, why not us? Brooklyn obviously can score the basketball as well as any team in the NBA, but can they defend? That is going to be uh, the issue for them going forward. With Philadelphia, Joel Embiid, he has a, a slight tear in his meniscus. They're going to try to manage it with physical therapy and hope that he can come back. So what does that mean for, for Philadelphia? Milwaukee, also a very solid team. I mean, this could be a situation where Mike Budenholzer ends up coaching in the NBA Finals against one of his former assistants in Quinn Snyder. It's entirely possible. We could have an all-Greg Popovich coaching tree final, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. In any event, Utah Jazz playing exceptional basketball right now, and so they advance to the second round, and the Grizzlies, uh, their season is done. But, as I said earlier, an unqualified success. Then this, Petey's point, the Grizzlies have to approach next season with the right mindset John Moran said we'll be back and all the players have said we'll be back as in we will be back in the playoffs and I I don't doubt that but what's important for this very young team to recognize is the amount of work that is going to have to go into getting back to the playoffs it's one thing to get there now you want to win a series Uh, can you possibly get home court advantage how much better can you get Just because you made the playoffs this year doesn't give you any extra cachet for next year. You are going to have to bring the sweat equity in order to re-qualify for the playoffs next year. Teams that maybe took the Grizzlies lightly this year will not take them lightly next year. They will have a whole other season's worth of tape on John Morant and Dylan Brooks and trying to figure out how to to stop those guys. Uh, And so the Grizzlies are going to have to put in the work, and it's going to be a short offseason for everybody in the NBA because the NBA is going to try to get back on their regular schedule. So the Grizzlies, I know that the guys are going to want to take some time off. They're going to want to go lie on a beach for a little bit, play a little bit of golf, but then uh, the hard work is going to have to begin in earnest because, like I said, the Grizzlies now are are going to be one of those teams that uh, opponents are going to look at them and say, okay, well, uh, yeah, we got to take these guys seriously. This, this Morant kid is 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 for real. So they're going to have to continue the work, and that's going to be the most important thing going into next season. Finally, uh, in Petey's points, uh, this this is more personal than anything else. Um, this was the most difficult season I've ever encountered, and I just wrapped up season number 28 in the NBA, number 17 with the Memphis Grizzlies. When you think that we were separated by plexiglass all season uh, until the very end, uh dealing with the COVID protocols, dealing with games being postponed within 24 hours when they were supposed to tip off, the Grizzlies being parked for a five-game stretch, doing games remotely, uh, having to deal with all of that, and then losing our beloved Elvis operator Speedy to COVID in the middle of the season, and then tech manager Brett Smith also passing away during the season. We suffered personal losses uh, and professional losses as well during the course of this season. And, you know, we 
we, and when I say we, I'm talking about Brevin, I'm talking about Fish, I'm talking about Chris Vernon, you know, we, we get all the kind tweets about, you know, how wonderful we are and, and what a great job we do calling uh, Grizzlies basketball. And, and we appreciate those. And, uh, but a lot of credit has to go to the people behind the scenes as well. Our producer, Scott Zachary, you know, keeping, keeping the ship afloat and keeping us moving in the right direction was huge. Tom Hewitt has been directing NBA basketball forever, and uh, he's been the only director the Grizzlies have ever had since they moved to Memphis. Uh, Brian Wright putting in just a tremendous amount of work as our graphics operator. He and Speedy were best friends, and I know, you know Brian worked this year with, with a very, very heavy heart, uh, dealing with COVID, not only with Speedy, but with members of his own family. It was a rough, rough year for him, but you'd never know by the quality of the work that he continued to turn out. And a special tip of the cap to Jason Boyer, who we have used on our telecast as a replay operator working with Speedy and now taking over uh, the lead replay operator chair and, and doing a wonderful job. This is a great, great group of people that we have in the truck. And then we also have, you know, hey, Tim, our, our booth cameraman, uh, you know, Kurt in the studio, Mike Hunkley on audio, Frankie Chu on audio, uh, just a lot of people pulling together. Uh, Rich Robb has been our statistician as long as I've been here. Corey Ventura Harlan has been our stage manager ever since I've been here. And all of them have become friends and family. And, uh, and really, when you are dealt the adversity that all of us were dealt with this year in dealing with COVID and remote broadcasting, uh, it, it was a very difficult year. But in many ways, it was also a very rewarding year because of the people that we get to work with. They are a great group of people. And uh, we look forward to bigger and better things for the Memphis Grizzlies on the floor and for our broadcast team as well as we return in October for the 21-22 NBA season. That does it for Petey's points. We'll get some post-game audio here in a moment from Game 5. Before we get to the post-game audio, we want to tell you that the Grizz Weekly Grind is being brought to you today by the Hoop City Basketball Club. Since 2005, their mission has been to assist young student-athletes in grades 1 through 12 in developing a strong work ethic with discipline, responsibility, and accountability. Hoop City has helped young men be great on the court and in the community. Their alumni include major college and NBA players. If you'd like more information on how to become part of this great sports and character-building club, log on to HoopCityBC.com. You can follow them at Twitter at HoopCityBC. As they say, it's in our blood. It's who we are in Hoop City. And a reminder that they've got a summer league coming up here. Grade range, kindergarten through 8th. And uh, the registration closes on June 21st, but the league actually starts on June 13th. So you've got a few days to get your young person involved in this. Um, we can tell you some more information. First and second graders will plan eight and a half foot goals, which is probably about the goal that I should be playing at right about now. Um, a couple of practices, one game per week minimum, and uh, games will be played at uh, Memphis University School, Collierville High School, St. Benedict at Auburndale, and other local area gyms. And then they'll have a year-end tournament in late July. If you'd like some more information or to get your child registered, call Buffy Kersey at 901-604-4385, or you can also contact Buffy at the email address hoopcitybc at gmail.com. So give them a shout and uh, get your young person involved in some quality basketball and character building programming with Hoop City Basketball Club. So Grizzlies fall in five games to the Utah Jazz. Here's what the principals had to say about last night's game immediately after the final horn. 
First up is head coach Taylor Jenkins, who was asked what was his post-game message to his team after game five? How proud I am of them. Um, you know, this was an unbelievable season. Uh, many people are going to say, what a, you know, what a good season. This was a great season for the Memphis Grizzlies. So much individual growth, so much team growth uh, to get to this point. Um, you know, uh, every team in the NBA has gone through unique season, unique challenges. But our team has stuck together and put ourselves in this great position to uh, play meaningful basketball at the end of the season, um, you know, push through and break through and make it in the playoffs and, you know, go up against best team in the NBA and do some great things and do some things that are going to motivate us moving forward. So just so proud of them, the togetherness of this team, you know, the fight and competitiveness of this team day in and day out. Um, and, uh, you know, we've got a bright, bright future ahead of us that I know if we continue to work on the things that we are capable of and we will work on and the investment everyone's put in, uh, we're going to have just this bright future that I'm so excited about. Taylor then commented on the continued development of John Moran and what he means to this basketball team. Yeah, I mean, obviously, John is an unbelievably huge part of our future. Um, so many guys on our roster are a big part of our future, uh, which gives me, you know, so much confidence in what we're going to be able to accomplish. Um, but, you know, Jazz grown up so much this year. Um, you know, I, I know he's going to be highly motivated going into the offseason of, of taking the next level as a player and continuing to help this team take the next step. You know, his, his words going to the locker room, we will be back. Um, and that's that's a great mentality um, that that's motivating uh, for his teammates, obviously for the entire staff to continue to know what we've laid as a foundation and moving forward. And for him, his foundation as a player is only continuing to get started. I mean, he's only continuing to scratch the surface of what he can become uh, as a player. Um, you know, his talent, his leadership, his IQ, his impact on winning. Um, and then in the playoffs, you saw him rise to the occasion. He's built for these moments. Um, you know, and he's only going to learn and grow from these playoff series and playoff, uh, you know, environments over the last couple of weeks uh, to fuel him for being even better in the regular season and then the playoffs beyond. So that that's how he's motivated. That's how he's built. That's why it's a blessing to be able to work with someone like him and, uh, you know, very impressed with his second season and, and knowing he's got so much great basketball ahead of him. With the season finally complete, Taylor Jenkins was asked to reflect on the growth of his team. We'll have more reflection when we do our exit interviews, of course. But, you know, in the moment right now, I would say just, you know, our ability to, you know, continue to work at a rate that prepares you to play winning basketball. Um, obviously, the games are a completely different experience. You know, the growth that we had from the start of the season, the end of the season, learning how to close out games and win close ball games and learning the, the importance of, you know, every possession and the little things. Obviously, in the playoffs, it gets heightened more. Um, we, we did a decent amount, but definitely not enough uh, to be, you know, the best team in the NBA. Utah Jazz, who have gotten that experience and, and learned from that. And this, that's why I say we're going to be motivated to learn and understand the value of, you know, the attention to detail and uh, the value of every possession. And, you know, when teams are taking away your strengths, how you got to be prepared to beat them in other ways like we've done all season long. So I think just our team's ability to understand uh, what it takes preparation-wise, uh, what it takes, you know, recovery-wise uh, from game to game. I mean, we had a, a, a brutal second half of the schedule to be in this position to know our guys were mentally fresh and physically fresh. Our guys would just continue to understand what it takes uh, as an individual to be prepared to excel on the court, um, but then what they got to do as a team. And we played on great, uh, unbelievably great team basketball, you know, unselfish offensively. Um, to be a top six or seven defense uh, with this squad is, is unbelievable to watch. Um, the commitment on that end uh, just continues to lay, lay the foundation of as our guys continue to develop, uh, their talents develop, and we have this system that everyone's continued to be a part of and uh, owned. 
um, that's exciting. That, that's what that excitement is. And that's what that growth is. And uh, hopefully we come back after, you know, investing a lot in this offseason uh, that's ahead of us uh, and take another step next year. Dylan Brooks was next on the podium, and he was asked to reflect on the season just completed. You know, we fought through all kinds of stuff, and, you know, this year um, with, you know, protocol, with guys coming out of COVID, uh, injuries all year, um, we stuck together and found a way to, you know, complete our goal, and is that to, you know, make the playoffs and, uh, you know, play hard and play together, you know, during that time. And, um, you know, we'll be back, you know, uh, I think the the taste of the playoffs is on everybody's, you know, mind. And, uh, you know, this offseason has got to be a special offseason for every single one of, you know, our my teammates. Dylan Brooks did not play like a playoff rookie. And after game five, he was asked, what did he learn about playing in the playoffs? Um, adjustments. You know, you're going against the same team potentially seven times. And, um, you know, um, it's adjustments. It's. Um, so much detail, especially with this team, you know, you can't make mistakes. Um, somehow you got to play, you know, a perfect game and um, do every single thing that you got to do in the scout, even on your own. Um, understanding the player you're about to guard. And, you know, that's what I think, you know, I'm going to take. And I hope my teammates take the same approach uh, with all this because, you know, it's an amazing feeling to be in this position uh, in the playoffs because, you know, you're at the highest level. And we got to go against the best team in the NBA. So um, uh, we just got to be hungry and just, um, you know, use this as motivation to, you know, work on your game, you know, because the playoffs are going to show you, you know, what you need to work on um, because, you know, you're playing, like I said, you're playing the same team, you know, potentially seven times to get the home man, to get the, you know, find your weaknesses, um, see, see what you're made of. And, you know, guys, you know, got to rewatch this and know exactly, you know, what they need to work on this season. I mean, this offseason. Finally, John Morant talked about the mixed emotions of the playoff series and the next steps for this franchise. Um, a lot of, you know, mixed emotions. You know, obviously, uh, none of us like, you know, losing. Uh, and we definitely, you know, didn't. Uh, won our season to, you know, end the way it did. Uh, but, I mean, we have, a you know, a lot to be proud of. You know, our fight, uh, we had a you know, unbelievable season. Um, you know, we achieved, you know, uh, one, of, one of our goals. Uh, we all, you know, just stayed positive. You know, we all had the same message, like you said. Um, I mean, we know what we got to do. Um, Everybody, you know, hungry for more. Uh, we know this all season is, you know, very important. Um, so, you know, we're going to find a way to, you know, lock in, you know, put the work in and also, you know, get together and, you know, plan, you know, work out together. Coming into this year, you know, we was hungry, worked, and, you know, we achieved that goal. So now it's more. Go to the next step. Just got to, you know, work even harder, you know, continue to grow together and, you know, get it done. We have, you know, very special group. So, you know, we all positive. Future is bright. And so a successful season for the Memphis Grizzlies comes to an end. 38-34 and 34 in the regular season. They win the Western Conference play-in tournament, but they fall in five games to the Utah Jazz in the first round of the NBA playoffs. If there was one thing you could do, one bold action you could take, one inspired choice you could make, one investment guaranteed to transform Memphis, would you do it? 
If that answer is yes, here's your chance. The Grizzlies Foundation is looking for Memphians to be the difference in a child's life by becoming a volunteer mentor. There are 800 youth in Memphis waiting for your decision today, so do not delay. Join the movement and become a mentor at grizzliesfoundation.org. This message brought to you through the generous support of Garner Framing Company, serving Memphis for 70 years. They're a proud supporter of the Memphis Grizzlies Foundation. Framing consultations being done by appointment at 901-685-7796. Give Chris Garner a call, and whatever you have to be framed, whether it is an art print, an original work of art, or maybe even a Grizzlies jersey, they will take really, really good care of you, and you'll be delighted with the finished product if you use Garner Framing Company. I just received word that the Grizzlies will have their end-of-season media availability on Friday morning, and so in episode 44 of the Grizz Weekly Grind, we will have audio from the uh, end-of-season media availability. Zach Kleiman, general manager of the Grizzlies, will be available. So we, in our next episode, we'll have some sound from that, and we will put a cap on this uh, NBA season for the Memphis Grizzlies. The future is bright. John Morant said it. All the players were saying it afterwards. We will be back, and you know that they will put in the work, and you know that uh, this is a basketball team that is on the rise, and we expect them to be back in the playoffs again next year. This has been the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Prattley. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.